Loved, cherished, comforted. Welcome to the podcast ministry of Our Resolute Hope, where you will find grace, not just a concept or a doctrine of grace, but a person, a person whose name is Jesus, a person who brings hope, a determined, resolute hope that can sustain you and empower you to live courageously in this fallen world. Join us now as we learn more about Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, and our life. Hello again, friends. Welcome back to the Our Resolute Hope podcast. One more time, this is your host, John Russin, here with my dear friend and colleague, Pastor Frank Friedman, and joining us in our virtual studio scattered across multiple states and multiple time zones is uh, Mark Malding. Mark is founder and president of Grace Life International. Check him out at gracelifeinternational.com. He's been a Christian counselor and coach for decades. Uh, He's also an author. His latest book is God's Best Kept Secret, Christianity is Better Than You Think. Uh, Welcome, Mark. Glad to have you back today. We're really excited to hear the rest of your story. My pleasure, and I'm looking forward to it. Great. Now, please, listeners, if you didn't catch the last episode with Mark, uh, we encourage you to do so. He told a very powerful story. He never heard I love you from his dad till he was 19 years old. He uh, went off into the pastorate, lived a life of trying hard to get it right, did that in the pastorate as well. He was sinking and unraveling as a pastor until finally, Father said, enough of this nonsense, and he opened the doors to his love by revealing to Mark that Mark was accepted. So for the first time in his life, Mark felt the acceptance of God, and so the love from his father flowed, and it changed his life, changed his ministry. He talked about how he apologized to his church as a pastor for teaching them law, and so what a courageous thing to do. So we're going to pick up right there, Mark. We're going to go back to your church years and talk about when you decided to leave the pastorate, what led you to begin Grace Life International, and uh, then we'll ask some more questions relative to the activities that go on with the counseling and coaching ministry. But I'm just going to turn the mic wide open to you, sir. Uh, Let her rip. Tell us the rest of your story. Be glad to do so. Thanks again for having me back. Well, uh, as I began to understand that Christ was my life, that I was in him and I had this incredible identity. The other thing that became quickly very clear to me was I hung around a lot of pastors and I realized they don't have a clue. They don't know any more than I did, just like I didn't know. And so that birthed in me a desire to help pastors come to know uh, Christ is life, the, the gospel of grace, the new covenant, and for them to experience him in their own lives the way he wanted them him to do that for, for them. So uh, th- that'll become important as I go along here about how that fits into where I headed next. Well, I was looking for someone who understood what I was beginning to know and experience. And I couldn't find anybody. And somehow I heard about a guy across town who had this Christian counseling ministry and that he knew this, this good news. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to step out and call this guy and just see if he wants to have lunch. And so I did. Uh, 
name was Tom Grady. And uh, I called him up and said, you don't know me, but I've experienced some things and I would like to just talk with you. So we sat down for lunch and the more I talked, the more he smiled. Uh, And you can imagine he was smiling because he had come to know the same reality in his own life and had given his life to sharing this with other people. And so we continued to meet at one day while we were having lunch, he threw me a curveball and he said, I'd like to invite you to come on our staff. And my immediate response was, well, thanks, but no thanks. I believe God wants me to be a pastor because I never saw myself being anything other than that. It was nothing else in front of me or around me that, you know, gave me any indication otherwise. So uh, he said, well, that's fine. That's fine. Well, about three months later, we met again. And uh, I was complaining about some things that were going on in ministry and he just said, well, let me circle back around to this. And, and he asked me again. And this time I didn't say no. And part of the reason I didn't say no is he said, you can write your own job description. Well, my goodness, how many times in life <laughs> is, is that offered to you, right? I went home and talked to my wife, Ellen, and we began to talk and pray about it. I went back to my job description. He looked at it and wanted to change some things around, but extended the invitation again. And one of the things I wanted to do is I wanted to be the the liaison to pastors. I wanted to be the guy that went and met with pastors, got to know them, built a relationship and invited them to hear, you know, this great good news. And he was all, he was good with that. He was great with it. So Ellen uh, and I prayed and I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was, I was kind of scared for two reasons. One was uh, we had a child with a disability. Uh, she was an infant at the time. Uh, she, has, she has Downs and we had group insurance and I knew she was going to need insurance and I was going to lose that. And I just said, Lord, you know, I don't know if it's going to work out. I mean, I don't know what we're going to do. And through a little research, discovered that uh, in Georgia, where I lived at that time, they actually had a program in our county where they offered free care for kids who needed help. And also uh, there was a way for me to get major medical coverage in case something really bad happened. So he saw that. The other thing I was afraid of is uh, to join this staff. I had to do something that at the time I wasn't even sure was biblical. That was raise financial support like a missionary. Right. But I looked at scripture, uh, went through it, began to see that it really is God's heart. And I said, Lord, you know, are you sure you want me to raise support? And one of the things he said to me was, there are going to be people who support you that you don't even know. Okay. So I accepted the position that, and uh, I left the pastorate to go join this ministry. One of the things that happened right before I began to raise support was a a gal called me whom I had known as a teenager. And we had been in the youth choir together. And she said, Hey, I want to call you up. I know you're married now. I am too. I just was thinking about you. I wanted to see what you're up to and just tell you what I'm up to. And so we talked and I told her just what I told you just now, what you guys, and I told her what God was showing me to do. And she immediately said, Oh, we'll support you. 
We'll support you. <laughs> and I got the phone and I heard the Lord say, I told you. <laughs> and that began that journey for us. And I, I told Ellen last week, I said, I reiterated that story to her. And I said, it's amazing now being on support close to 30 years now, having raised our children on it, how literally everyone on our support team, we didn't know before. Very few of them. There's still a few from the beginning that we did, but the majority, probably 98%, we didn't know. So he, you know, what a great thing he did. So I'm in that ministry and I enjoy counseling. I enjoy speaking. And it just, it was a good fit for me. I got to meet with pastors. We got to have pastors conferences and I was enjoying it. The president, Tom, had, he had gone to Charlotte, North Carolina to speak at a church, to do a conference actually. And he came back from that. And just in passing, he said to the staff one day in our prayer time, he said, I think God wants to start a ministry up there. Well, as soon as he said that, I had this sense in my spirit that that might be me, that maybe I'm the one to go. And I went home and told Ellen, I said, I, I think we're supposed to go to Charlotte, North Carolina. Well, we didn't know anyone at all. So we prayed about it. I went back to him. I said, I think I'm supposed to go. And so as it turns out, I went up there with him, do another conference, hit it off with the people, had a real sense that we we're supposed to be there. And so we set about heading in that direction. Well, right before I made the final decision to go, I began to have terrible doubts. I mean, they were overwhelming. And that was not unusual because the background I came out of, remember, if you're trying to get it right, you're never sure you do. So you have doubt. So I think the enemy was using that again in my life to just cause me to doubt what God was leading me to do. So I'll tell you an interesting story. In the struggle of this, one night when I, I, was, I, was, I went to sleep and uh, Ellen knew we were, I was struggling and whatnot, I had a dream about Ellen's mom. And in the dream, Ellen's mom, I was telling her about Charlotte and how I was having doubts. And she immediately in the dream says, well, you know that Satan, don't you? Hmm. And then I woke up the next morning, remembered the dream vividly, and I knew the Lord had used that to say, Mark, this is the enemy. Forget about it. Don't pay attention. Just go. And so I did. Uh, we recruited three people, ended up with a tremendous staff to, to start off with. And, and that was in 1995 that we actually opened in the Charlotte area. And God began to give us a lot of favor, lots of opportunities, people just flooding in our direction. Opportunities began to open to speak all over. So that was the beginning of me leaving the pastorate and, and going to Grace Fellowship and then starting Grace Lab International in Charlotte, North Carolina. Wow, cool stories. And they need to see how Father just plants a seed, affirms it in another's mind, uh, even using your own dreams to brush aside the annoyance of the enemy, like a mosquito, just brush them aside. Mm-hmm. And so he could, so you can hear his voice clearly. Wow. So you had a great passion to shepherd pastors. Can you talk about that experience? You know, you've been doing it now for a long time. 
what have you seen? Common threads, common deceptions. What from among your backlog of uh, of experiences over the years do you think our listeners really would want to hear about? One of the things I would say is what we often hear from people who go through our conferences and go through our training is there comes a time when a lot of people feel angry at their pastors, previous ones, present ones, and they're angry because they're like, why didn't they teach me this? It's right, right here in the Bible. Why, haven't, why isn't my pastor now teaching me this? And having been a pastor, you'll understand what I'm about to say based on my story. My response to them is, listen, how can they teach something they don't know about? They can't do it. They're simply teaching what they were taught. They're teaching what they were taught by their pastor, by their seminary. And that's what they're going on. So as a result, we need to have compassion, pray for them. But it continued to confirm to me that the need was great with pastors to love them, expose them to this, you know, again, great good news, I call it. And, and, and then, then I've told people, then they can at least decide whether they agree or not. But, but don't condemn them when they haven't even heard. Right. And that resonated with a lot of people, but it resonated with me, too, because it just it fueled my passion. You know, one of the things I've never lost is my love for the local church. Even though we're a parachurch ministry, I just I love I love the local church and, and still do, because that's, you know, the ecclesia. That is God's design. Really, uh, in one sense, uh, Grace Life International would not need to be in business if the churches as a whole knew this and were sharing with people, discipling them and counseling them in, uh, in these truths. So as a result, I just always enjoy being with pastors, always. You know what I've found is when you get beyond the ministry part of this, they're just like everybody else. They've got struggles. The problem with pastors, though, is they don't have anybody to talk to. Right. Mm -hmm. And they don't trust anybody in their church because um, a lot of times they tried it once or twice and they got burned yep. uh, by it. So, yeah, I have a great, tremendous passion for even to this day. Uh, share. If I could do nothing but spend time with pastors, I, that's what I would do. Well, Frank, uh, his comments, boy, have just echoed so many things you have shared over the years, starting from seminary and working through the uh, the lack of confidence and uh, the fear of retribution. And boy, it just sounds familiar from what Mark just said, based on the years I've heard you talk about the very same things. Yes. And boy, Mark, uh, I just want to thank you. Um, I want to use that as a little bit of a springboard here. You're exactly right. These poor guys, they were just taught what the seminary taught them and their pastors taught them. And I think most people go through that initial sense of a little bit of anger. You know, we feel like we were lied to, but I'm so thankful you stressed that issue of the local church. One of the things I'm seeing with people is they tell me I can't go to my church anymore because he's teaching law and I can't sit under it. Um, you know, I understand you may need to leave a church, 
but you know, if we really understand the New Testament and Christ as our life, we're really not going to the assembly to get life. We're going there to give the life that we already have. We're going there for ministry purposes. We, we're no longer consumers. You know, we're experiencers of God and we're expressors of God. And one of the things that I'm concerned about, Mark, is that if everybody leaves the local church who catches this message, who's going to be there to fight for them? That's right. And, and you know, I had a, a little funny story. You, you know my son, Mark. He was very pliable. So does John. A very easy young man to, to train up in Christ. But there was one time when he was a teenager and he got a little snip with me and it was, you know, yip, yip. And I yip, yip back and he yipped louder and I yipped louder and it was escalating. And I stopped and I put my finger up there and I said, you listen to me, boy. I will fight for you, even if I have to fight against you. And it stopped him in his tracks. And he said, dad, that was a good one. I said, yeah, wait here. I got to go write that down. <laughs> <laughs> but that's kind of the MO for us with the church. We're fighting for her, but we have to fight her in the process because she's so tenaciously locked into lie and bondage, but we can't fight if we're not there. So mm -hmm. would you kind of address that a little bit? I'll be glad to. And you're right. That is the struggle that many people have is they want to continue to hear this, the good news. They want to continue to, and let's face it, they've just experienced it themselves. And so they want more. So we get it. You know, we, we certainly understand that, but you're, you're correct. It is, it is, um, it's, it's often the person that stays and loves people and maybe even gets to know the pastor that they get a, that they're able to speak into that situation. They're, uh, they're, they're able to, without getting preachy or pushy, they're able to get an ear with those in leadership. And it is needed. We do need people as God leads to, to stay in that place. And hey, if you need to go listen to some, something else, uh, watch a video, read a book, you know, to help you continue to grow in it, maybe that's where you should go for that, but then stay there and love people where you are and share as you can. So I agree with you that we need to, I think we need to encourage people and we try to do this in our situation. Don't be so quick to jump out of your local church if they're not there yet, because they may get there and you may be the catalyst to help them get there. Well, the flip side too is sometimes we will get persecuted so badly we do need to leave. Yes. You know, and that happens many, many times, you know, because that spirit of a Pharisee, of a legalist, is. The spirit of law and the spirit of law, as we know from Second Corinthians 3, kills and condemns. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes people have to leave. So we got to be careful to, to strike this balance of the circumstance. I, I just remember there was a word from Charles Spurgeon 
when I was getting ready to start the ministry almost 40 years ago that I have never forgotten. And it's in the forefront of my mind all the time. And this isn't just for pastors. It's for all of us who are new covenant believers. But he said this, if you're going to be in the ministry, you know, which is all of us, you need to have the mind of a scholar, the heart of a child, and the skin of a rhinoceros. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That last really? one is uh, <laughs> truer than we want it to be. That's for mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. And, you know, uh, listening to your earlier comments, Mark, about I shouldn't have to sit under that. Well, you know, if you know the message of Christ is life, you're not sitting under anything. It's not like what they're saying is going to soak into you somehow and undermine what you believe. You know the truth. You can spot a phony a mile away. But I think your comment is so spot on that it's almost like, like the Apostle Paul did to the believers in Rome in chapter one. He says, hey, believers, I can't wait to come to you to preach the gospel to you. And so Paul mm -hmm. came, even though they're already saved, and he told them the truth. And if you read through the Book of Romans, it's a pretty staggering truth that he laid on them. Well, if we leave, then how will we ever tell them the staggering truth uh, of what Christ has done for us? So your comments are mm -hmm. very well taken. Thank you. I do want to jump in. We've got a few more minutes left. I want to hear from the discipleship counseling coaching perspective, the issues that you commonly see among pastors, among members of the body of Christ, are there common threads or is it a mosaic of deceptions that the enemy throws out there? Can you comment just generally on that? Sure. Uh, I'll be glad to. Well, one of the things I will say is we are reaping today the seeds that were planted in the 60s. And that was when I think kids, teenagers, 20-somethings, they were disillusioned with a lot of things that were happening with their parents. They were disillusioned with authority. They disillusioned the church. And so they broke away from that. They didn't go to Jesus. They just broke away to a real worldly, fleshly perspective. And that's when the free love movement began. And so sexuality, which was mainly contained in between husband and wife back then, for the most part, that spilled over outside of marriage. And so as a result of that, I believe that seed that was planted began to germinate in destroying marriages years later. And I say that because the people we're seeing today, many of them have grown up in a fractured home. And because of that, the seed that they see there with planted in them, they come to see us. And it doesn't really matter what station in life that they hold. It can be a pastor. It can be a president of an organization. It can, it can be the guy that digs dishes. It can be a homemaker. What they come to us with are hurts from the fractured family that they, they grew up in. And there are many different versions of that. So the fruit of those years, those decades, ha have, have really begun to, to wreak habit on, on people's lives. So they, they need a lot of healing. And the cool thing is we're able to say to them, you know what? 
we believe Jesus can actually heal you. And, and their hope, I, I'll tell you what, I believe that Christians are hoping that's true when they struggle. That's what they want to be true. But a lot of times they're being told, well, Jesus is good, but, you know, you may need to go get help elsewhere in the counseling arena. And I'm not saying other counseling situations do not help people. Sometimes they do. So I'm not, I'm not saying that's not true ever because they certainly can be helpful. And sometimes people need medication and different things like that as well. But in general, that's what we're seeing today. And, and we're also seeing, you know, as, as the world around us is unraveling and the things that nobody thought could be shaken or being shaken is scaring a lot of people. The pandemic has scared people. Politics are scaring people. Doesn't matter which side of the aisle that you are on with that. And so that's putting pressure on people. There's a lot of stress out there. We, we know the statistics of suicides and depression and all that has increased this past year. So we see that. I, I think one of the things I would say is the most common person or people who come to us for counseling are people struggling in their marriage. By far, uh, we see more of those people than anyone else. And we see individuals as well. And we see teens and we'll, we'll actually see children if they're nine and up. But they come in and they are there because something is hurting or something's not working or they're tired of the way their life is going and they don't know how to get out of whatever that may be. I remember I think of one lady who came in and she struggled with our counseling in the, in, initially. And I felt led to call her and say, hey, I'm gonna put you with a different counselor. Let's, let's try this again. She came back and she wrote me a thank you note at the end. She said, I wanna thank you for encouraging me to come back. She said, I have been freed from hurt that I've been carrying for 30 years. That's, you know, what bondage that is, what, what pain that is for people. We've got people who are in a marriage and the, the typical thing in struggling marriages is, is always this. Well, if he would just change, we would be fine. Or if he, she would just change, we would be fine. And we have to kind of redirect them to say, well, are you willing to let God show you maybe some things about you? Not denying there's things with your spouse, but are you, are you willing to look at some things with you? Because at the core of people's problems, it's not the problem. The problem is often a symptom in, in most cases of, of the flesh being in control. They, you know, they're setting their mind on the flesh. That's how they know how to operate. And the flesh, Romans 8, 6 tells us about that. The mindset on the flesh is death. And I don't think that necessarily means someone will die, but I do think it brings death into relationships. I think it, people are miserable who function from that. I was, you know, I had religious type of flesh. And then to show them, okay, this is your problem. We're going to show you how Jesus and his grace is the answer. So, I think those are some of the things that uh, we are seeing today. And the good news is, you know, a lot of people are still finding, hey, Jesus is enough. 
He's, he's freeing me. He's healing me. Of course, that begins a process uh, of them knowing him as life. And then like the rest of us, you know, they're going to go through their own struggles even down the road as well. So that's the counseling side. I tell people that counseling is looking back at your past, letting God show you what happened to kind of program you to cause your issues and in the present, letting him free you. You know him as life and you know who you are. Coaching, on the other hand, is starting with the present and looking toward the future, really with the idea of letting God take you where he wants you to take you. And people are really interested in that because a lot of people think, you know, I'm his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. I want to understand what that is. Or they have an idea and they want us to help them get there. And it's a great context to teach them the same truths that we teach everybody else but just with a forward-looking view. Wow. You know, listening to you talk, my mind drifts back to, uh, I've got to share this little story about my own personal experience. Many years ago, my wife and I came into uh, a certain dear friend of mine, Pastor (laughs) Frank. I know you know this story. And uh, she and I sat down and I looked at Frank and I, he said, well, tell me why you're here today. He had his Jesus face and his Jesus tone of voice all polished up. And I looked at him and I looked at her and I said, fix her. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that is exactly what you just described, because not only did Jesus fix her, more importantly, he fixed me. <laughs> and it just changed And Frank, you remember that. I'm sure you do. Yes. You know, it's one of the things that, you know, we we can all get lots of mantras, Mark, just one different ways to communicate. But one of the ones I use all the time is that it's a universal law. We cannot give what we do not have. Mm -hmm. And so if we don't have life, we can't give life. If we don't have acceptance, we can't give acceptance. Mm -hmm. And by the same token, if I'm in a performance bondage, I'm going to be putting that on other people as well. And and so it really is an issue of coming to understand, you know, the simplicity of Jesus, who is so profound at the same time, Mm -hmm. totally loved, totally accepted, totally significant, totally right. And now uh, I don't have to perform for others and then I can, let them know they don't have to perform for me either. Mm -hmm. And we can start to enjoy community and relationship. Mm -hmm. And you just can't put a price tag on this. You really can't. I'm sorry. You cannot. Well, Mark, thanks so much for joining us today. Uh, I know last time I asked you a question, uh, speaking to our listeners about a Supreme revelation that you'd like to give to them. I want to ask that question again, but this time from a perspective of the coach, the counselor, the mentor, the shepherd of pastors. If you could give one piece of information, one piece of counseling advice to our listeners, what would it be? Let me, let me use the title of my book to answer that question. And, and I think you wanted me to talk about the book. Yes, a that'd bit be anyway. a great segue. Good. Yeah. So let me use that. So the, the title of the book, particularly the, the major title, is God's Best Kept Secret. And the reason I uh, used that twofold, you know, before Jesus came, it was a mystery. Scripture calls it a mystery. 
the Old Testament prophets longed to see what this meant. And the mystery was not only that Jesus would come and be the Messiah and save, but the Gentiles would be included in that. That was part of that and very important. But what I have found through the years is that what we are talking about on this podcast and what you guys talk about all the time and what you preach on, Frank, all the time is, you know, the new covenant. It's like it's a secret in the church. And God's not one keeping a secret. I don't, and it's not that at all. But it seems like it's a secret because it's like very few people know this message. I think the thing I would say to your audience is this. If you know the truth, ask God to put people in your life that you can love to him. That you can love to him. Because, you know, Love goes a long way. People will trust you. And it will, it will give you the opportunity to share what God has shown you. I remember a, a, a pastor that I just used to go and hang out with. Him. I'd just say, hey, I'm coming by to see you. Let's go eat lunch or whatever. And uh, he had no clue what the, these truths are. And a tremendous communicator, but no truth. We're sitting in his office one day. We're talking about leadership. And out of the blue, he says to me, would you counsel me? Wow. I'll be honest with you. I didn't see that coming. I just thought we were friends. But it showed that people know something's wrong in their lives. And, And they know some of the particulars. But a lot of what's wrong is they don't know the answer. They don't know, you know, this new covenant message. So that's why I would say loving people, you, you just can't, you can't go wrong. I, I used to pray that and still do sometimes. Lord, just show me somebody to love today. Sometimes he says, well, you live with most of them, but your, your wife and <laughs> your, your kids. But I used to pray that a lot, especially when I first came to know this message and and he would do it very often. I was I was headed to worship one Sunday morning. I wasn't a pastor at the time. And it was a really cold morning. I mean, freezing. One of those just take your breath away. And I'm stopped at a stoplight. I'm about five cars back. And somebody knocks on my window. And this, this scruffy-looking older fellow is standing there. And I rolled down my window. And he says, he says sir, do you, do you have any money you can give to me so I just need to get some food I said yeah I do have some money I said do you have any place to stay he said yes I do have a place to stay so I said well you know here's the money hope this helps you out and by the time the light turned uh, green so you know I didn't get a chance to say I give it to you in Jesus name or you know hope you know Jesus or anything and so I rolled the window up and the Lord said to me well how was that you know, again, these are thoughts in my mind. I said, well, right. what do you mean? How was that? He said, well, you prayed that I'd send somebody for you to love, didn't you? I said, yeah, but I didn't get to talk to him about you. He said, well, that's not my problem. You prayed to have somebody to love. And, and I answered your prayer. Love is really the fruit of Christ living through us. I mean, ultimately, it's, it's, that's the fruit of him living through us. So I would say, let's love people where they are, legalist and all, build a relationship, and see what God does. Wow. What a great thought. What a great story. 
My dear friend, Frank, any last observations you care to make? No, I wish I could uh, magnify that last couple of minutes a hundredfold, Mark, because I fear that our agenda for this grace movement is to correct people mm -hmm. instead of loving them. And it was powerfully driven home to me. I had a woman come to me and say, I want to meet with you. Well, when we sat down, the first word out of her mouth was this, you know, for years, I would never have come to you. But after I've seen this change in you, I felt safe coming to you. Mm -hmm. And there again, it's that we can't give what we don't have. When, when we don't enter into rest, we can't give rest. And it's the supreme one is if we don't know we're loved, we can't give love. Mm -hmm. But once we are, just like Jesus said, freely you've received, freely give it away. And it, it'll impact the world. That's what Jesus said. The world will know we're his by our love. So mm -hmm. well done, my friend. Well done. Well done. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. I really, oh. I really appreciate it. Oh, it's been our honor, our pleasure. You know, you're right. The world will not know that we are his by how well we memorize scripture and recite it back in the right sequence, in the right order, and with just the perfect cadence. It's just how we will love him. Friends, thank you so much for joining us today on the Our Resolute Hope podcast. You've joined us in the middle of our series, The Power of Story, and Mark Malding has been our guest today. And in our previous episode, Mark is the founder and president, Grace Life International, Check him out at gracelifeinternational.com. He's a counselor and a coach, also an author. You can check out his book. It's still available, God's Best Kept Secret. Uh, check us out also, ourresolutehope.com. Follow us on our various social media channels. And uh, one more time, we remind you today and always to choose hope and choose Jesus. Thanks for listening. We trust that you've seen Jesus today. And you know that no matter what you're facing, he offers you himself, his own life. He wants to live his life with you, in you, and through you as you trust him and walk by faith in this troubled world. You've been listening to Our Resolute Hope Podcast. For more information, find us online at OurResoluteHope.com and check out our social media channels under the name Our Resolute Hope.